Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the cable to my Deadpool. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, apparently, I hate you. Yeah, well, you hate me for now, but we'll have our comic together very, very soon. That's also true. Because Deadpool 3 is cable and Deadpool. It and should be. our very own... Eric, where do you think I'm going here? Colossus. It's Eric Ronebeck. No, Eric, how you doing? it wasn't a dig. I thought you were going to go Domino. Nope, I told you it wasn't a dig. Okay. okay. Plus, Zazie Beats as Domino, great casting. Love Zazie Beats. <laughs> love it. Love Atlanta. Love Zazie Beats. I'm all about it. Sad she's not in the show more because she was making this movie, but, you know, I'll, I'll well, allow good it. Good for her. Good for her. Be successful. Get out there. Yeah. You know? So... Uh, we are here uh, in our post-draft episode, in our post-draft haze. Normally, at this point, we do some uh, NFL news. Well, we'll actually probably do some light BSing. Uh, <laughs> but then we do, Imagine that. Then we do some NFL news. But uh, there's only really uh, one one NFL story I wanted to talk about before we get to the Seahawks. Kevin, do you know what it is? Um, David Akers trolling uh, <laughs> the Cowboys. Oh, Mother's Day isn't this week. <laughs> Mother's Day after. Okay, that. that People who watch people who watch the whole draft, they know. They know. That's okay. for your day two, day three years right there. Okay. So um much love. We're uh we're gonna dig right into Seahawks news. And before we get to the actual draft, there was one move that preceded the draft that really shook up Seahawks Nation. Uh cornerback Byron Maxwell and the Seahawks agreed to a three million dollar extension. And um, going into the draft, that really made me feel like cornerback might not be as much of a pressing need as it was before. Eric, do you did you agree? Did you think did that take the heat off us needing to get a cornerback? I don't know if it took the heat off. I really don't know who's going to play opposite Shaq Griffin. Uh, this is weird. Shaquille Griffin now. Um, Quill Griffin. S Q Griffin, as yeah, he was the, known when they played together. The OG Griffin. I, I still feel like we need someone on the opposite side. They're twins, side. dude. Neither one can be OG. <laughs> well, we t- we addressed this it doesn't on the show. Work. The we one, talked the one who got to the NFL first. <laughs> yeah, OG Griffin. We talked about it like you know we would for have to get someone to Starbucks. to be on the opposite side of Shaq, and we didn't do that. Now I don't know what that means for this team. Is Byron Maxwell going to take over that opposite spot? Kevin, you love the sound of that, don't you? Uh First of all, this we, is not but young Byron Maxwell, by the way. First this is all, current day. We did draft somebody to take that other side, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about um, we'll our, talk about Trey Flowers, our later. only secondary uh, draft pick. Where, but really uh, so, people aren't sure Byron where Maxwell, Trey Flowers is going to land. Byron Maxwell, I think, was a solid pickup. It creates a floor, and I think that's really important in this defense. You know, you're going to have a functioning cog in the defense at one cornerback spot. He graded out really well on PFF. If you watch him actually play, it wasn't exceptional cornerback play, but it was solid cornerback play. Ooh. And when you figure that uh, Griffin's going to take a step forward this year, you know, it it like I said, it sets a floor. We're not going to have guard like tire fire play at the cornerback position this year. That's very unlikely. All right. So yeah, I, I like it. I thought it, it, like I said, it took the pressing need out of cornerback and it made it so that the Seahawks had more flexibility on draft day. I felt like they, their plan was not to try not to draft positions, right? Try and try to draft the guy they think is actually the best player available for what they want to do. I think it was also an interesting thing where they waited. It was after round one closed and before round two. So it was between day one and which, day two. Which meant a lot of the day two cornerbacks that they that we had scouted and thought were pretty decent, they obviously did not like. What also, they also a lot of those guys were going in the second round, and that was post-trade when we found out that we didn't have a second round pick. Right. So you wonder if that also influences based on the move we were able to make. Once Dallas was only calling us saying third rounder for Earl Thomas, I think it changed a lot of what the Seahawks were trying to do. Yeah, in the it was a hard day. nope. Yeah, it's just a hard, uh, straight up no. So uh, the Seahawks headed into the draft, uh, adding just one player, the, the cornerback, Byron Maxwell. They decided to keep Earl Thomas, which is great for all of us. We all like that decision. Uh, so we had in the draft with the first round pick number 19. Eric, the first trade was made. We traded 19, 18, 18 sorry, for 27. <laughs> I knew I was going to mess something up. 27 and 79. So no. we traded round one pick 18 and round seven pick 248 for oh. round one pick 27, round three pick 76, round six pick 186. Oh, did we trade back from 76 to 79? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So uh, Eric. So we traded a one trade- and a seven for a one, three and a six. Tra- Eric. Do you feel like the first, the late first, and the early or the mid third was a good uh, haul for this Seahawk mid to late third, right? Uh, it's a mid third, yeah. I'd say mid third. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have a third round pick. This was really important. We talked about this last week. Uh, staying in the first round was cool. We kind of talked about if we can get a second and a third, it would be a good deal. We got a first and a third, 
And to give up a seventh, I don't know, fellas, if we keep that seventh round pick, are we really going to be drafting anybody that's worth keeping on this team? Judging possibly? by our other seventh round pick, yeah. no. And by most people's <laughs> seventh round picks. So I feel like for our first round pick, we got a first and a third. And it really helped us out. I love that pick. I love that trade. It was a little sad to see San Diego, and I know I'm talking to two Charger fans here, but San Diego come in with the pick right before us and kind of, I don't know, make us make us not be sad that we would have traded one anyway. thing. One thing for me is that I think the Seahawks stuck at 18 for so long because they were saying, well, if Derwin James is here, we're going to pick him. I was yep. gonna, is like, that The whole plan seemed like it was like, okay, well, I mean, if Derwin's here at 18, we're just going to take Derwin James. And so it got to that point, but I just I knew there was no way he was getting past San Diego. It's a clear need, and also probably the second or third best defensive player in the draft. Also, they're assembling Voltron over there. That's Gus Bradley putting together a Seahawk defense. Yeah. He just got his cam, man. Good for him. Yeah, well, I think he got. I think he's. I, I, I'm not going to try to have up Derwin James too much. Dude I, has the potential of Cam is, Plus. I agree. This is not cha- the Chargers podcast. I'm he just has some say, abilities that Cam does not. I, but. I love this guy in basically every way. All right, so the Seattle Seahawks. They they end up at pick twenty seven and they keep pick twenty seven. I mean, at that point, I think a lot of people were thinking, "Oh, we're trading down. Oh, we're trading down." Were you disappointed when it said the pick was in, Eric? Was that like a shock to you, or were you? Were it you- was a total shock to me. I wasn't disappointed because that means we were getting someone we really wanted. I feel like when the Seahawks trade down out of the late first round, like they do two trades, it means that the guy that that they want got taken because. If you're if you're so intent on moving down, why don't you just move down further to begin with? And they obviously want a Rashad Penny, and we'll talk about that pick on on the show very shortly. But Seahawks went got their guy. I was really excited. First yeah. round pick. If you keep a late first round pick, it's because you want someone under five years of team control on a very cheap deal. So Seahawks got their guy for five years on a very 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 cheap deal. So Rashad Penny, he's a running back. Okay, modern NFL, a lot of people on Twitter hate this pick. They hate it because in the modern NFL, running backs, the value has never seemed lower. Start with you, Kevin. Kevin, do you think that you can justify picking a running back in the first round at this point? A lot of people, a lot of people bash like even the, the successful picks, like Leonard Leonard Fournette last year. People hate that pick, even though he was pretty good. Yeah, I think the thing to consider here, though, is you're talking about the difference between picking a guy top 10 and picking a guy bottom five. So we picked up, we picked up, uh, Rashad Penny, but we picked him in one of the bottom five picks of the first round. We had picked up the value, as you guys mentioned, that third round pick, especially in a draft like this, is a really important one. And you're talking about a guy that some people were grading above Barkley. For other people, it was the clear number two running back in the he draft. He was the number one PFF rating, right? Uh, he was the number one. There was an internal debate in PFF as to which back was better because of Penny's value between the tackles, which is where uh, Barkley doesn't offer as much. Well, so Penny was uh, second in uh, elusiveness in, in football. Who was number one? Before we go too far, um, to talking about how good Rashad Penny is, I do want to throw water on it. He's not going to be able to play on third down from day one. Like he's, a, it's pretty established. He's not a great blocker. Um, so we're going to, but we, luckily for us, we have pro size still. Um, if he can stay healthy, that's a pretty freaky good um, third down back to go with Rashad Penny playing on first and second down. The team obviously has no faith in Chris Carson to, uh, to get fully healthy and be right for the season. So on some level, like maybe this had to be done or maybe they just felt like this was too great a value to pass up. When I look at Rashad Penny, the more I watch him, the more I think I think he's just a better Deion Lewis. And Deion Lewis was worth a lot of money in this offseason. So, yeah, versus, he's a pass catcher. He's explosive. He's really good. He doesn't have injury problems like Deion Lewis, so that's nice. He's a lot bigger than I Deion get. Lewis, too. 5'11", 220. That's a good size back. I feel like Deion Lewis is, is like heavier than people give him credit for, though. I mean, he's 200 pounds. He's just five foot eight. He's tiny. He's 5'8", a little over. He's like 5'8", 205, right? Yeah. So yeah. He, he's just shorter. You're talking about a significant difference at that point, yeah. though. Three inches and 15 pounds in yeah. football. D- but I'm saying like he's like a better Deion. Like better Deion Lewis? Deion right. Lewis made a lot of money this offseason. Well, it should Why? be noted, being a better Deion Lewis is really good because Deion Lewis is really good. Deion Lewis is one of four running backs last year who created positive value on the ground. It's just really hard to do in the modern NFL, right? Only four running backs created positive value for their teams in the NF in the NFL last year. Deion Lewis, Alvin Kamara, and two other guys I forgot because I didn't write it down. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but it's just really it's an incredibly difficult thing to do. If Rashad Penny can even get to that point where he's creating value or 
breaking even, that puts him in the upper echelon, right? And we're not going to be paying him a ton of money because we picked him so late in the first round. Um, I really like the explosiveness, like you guys said. Uh, he's very explosive. He's uh, had the number one elusive rating last year. Was it number two? Um, we I'm going back from the podcast that we talked about. He, he was number two in college football in elusiveness rating. Man, you're going to make me look it up. That's, I believe he was number one in the draft class. That's, produ- that's producer work. That's my job. All right. Um, so, so uh, yeah, let me look that up for let me get let me just get his um well, you're doing that i'll go ahead and guide, vamp for a second guide up. so the thing that really makes me excited about him as a pick though that's really interesting he averaged 7.8 yards per carry on a team that they knew was going to run the ball a lot san diego state runs a pro style offense so that creates two things moving forward one is he's used to running against a stacked box two is he's used to running in a pro style offense so the transition from college to the nfl for him normally it's a pretty is an easier transition at running back than other positions, but it's especially going to be the case for him. He's used to taking snaps in these situations. He's used to running these types of schemes. He's a really strong scheme fit for the team. All right, I'm going to give you some specific numbers because I Eric forced me to listen to. Second in elusive rating. <laughs> first, number number one, he had 42.8% of his yards after first contact, 86 missed tackles last year, and 7.8 yards per carry, which is absurd. 4.5 yards per carry after contact uh, per um, attempt. He had one yard per route run, 26th among runners. Running backs, uh, he's he's a good pass catcher. This is the thing: is his pass blocking sucks right now. Like he's not good. Seventy third, eighty eight point three pass block efficiency. Not a good pass blocker. But if he can develop those skills, he's a great pass catcher. So, and that's another thing I like about him. He gives us versatility to run those RPO plays that a lot of teams are into right now, where you set set up in the shotgun, maybe with one tight end, and you set up in the shotgun and you say, okay, Russell, read the defense. Figure out what you want to do. Hand it to Rashad. Throw it to Rashad. Rashad can now run out on routes and make catches, make plays in space. Like this team has options now on offense, and versatility among of players is a huge in NFL. That's why Deion Lewis is so valuable. Deion Lewis did good last year, not because he's the best runner, but because he's a very versatile runner who can do a lot of different things on a football field. If Rashad Penny can can emulate that success, this team will be very successful with him on the football field. Absolutely. Um, all right. So we love Rashad Penny. Um, I mean, just you know, go on YouTube, watch Rashad Penny's highlight tapes. It's very fun. He's a very fun player to watch. He ran a four four six, so you don't think he's really fast. Then you see him play, and you're like, whoa, really good. Also, didn't he have 14 return touchdowns in college? Uh, he had uh, eight kick return touchdowns, um, yeah. nine total. Uh, the other thing is he had 290 attempts. Um, 35 of his 290 attempts is, seen, is last year in college went for 15 or more yards. So for he the, had 1,135 yards rushing on on those uh, 35 carries. So for the last few years while we have kickoffs, this will be really fun to watch too. Well, I want to address something before we move on from Rashad Penny. Mm-hmm. People hated this pick not just because of the modern-day NFL, but they hated it because they thought there were other players that were above Rashad Penny. Can you address some of those concerns? Okay, let me. T- I can go straight at that. Um, one, uh these guys who watched for the draft all year, these experts, they are not NFL talent evaluators. They, the NFL talent evaluators, they what they do is they zone in on guys. They start eliminating guys. They don't watch them as much. They zone in on their guys, right? They figure out what their board looks like, and they start zoning in on who they want to pick. The, the guy, Mel Kuyper is going to watch every single dude because it's his job to know a little bit about every single dude, right? There's no way he knows as much about Rashad Penny as the Seahawks front office. So... I just think that the job of an NFL talent evaluator is really hard. I would say I know less about um, the things than than the, a professional NFL talent evaluator who knows far less than an, an actual scout or NFL scouting team who's working all together too, right? Yeah, and it's one of those things. They talk about it. Uh, they rave about how the Patriots have this small draft board. You, know, you go into other teams, and they'll have 300 guys up there on the draft board. You go into the Patriots, they got 80 guys, 120 guys. And it is. It's exactly that. Because they're sitting there going, okay, who's a guy who's a fit for us? You look, there was a run on running backs right after we picked him. Uh, the Patriots grabbed a running back at 32 or at 31. And a then, running back I like far less than I like the running back that Sonny we got. Michelle? And everyone yeah. builds and up that pick. Fit, not nearly as good. Everyone builds up that pick because it's the hoodie. But I just was not a super big – I'm not a super big fan of uh, – of, of Sony Michelle. I think he's really good at running in a straight line. He'll probably be really good for New England because they find ways to get value out of these guys. <laughs> that but, they do. And they have a million running backs. But he has a specific skill set. What but about it, the dude who fell to Washington? Uh, Geis? Yes, thank you. Darius uh, Geis. I, I thought Darius Geis is like a mini beast mode. Like he could be, he has like a, a um, 
a Marshawn Lynch thing about a uh, way of running about him. My thing about Darius Geis is, is that one, how is he going to hold up over the repeated beating he's going to take in the NFL? Because he got injured his one year as a feature back. And two, uh, it took Marshawn Lynch time to figure it out how to do this at the NFL yes, level, and he was very elusive. Geis, I don't always see him as as elusive as. Um, some of these other guys. I like him, he, but the rumor is that his attitude sucked. He was yeah, he re- was shouting he, at the Eagles. He, he got in a shouting office. match with no, Deuce Staley. No, he got in a fist fight. <laughs> no, that that's apparently been downgraded to a shouting match with okay, Deuce Staley. Sure, that's not good though. You that's don't, not good. You don't yeah. be yelling at Deuce. The Deuce is on the loose, bro. Uh, the other thing that I think you have to consider is uh, part of what Nathan said. So three point three two yards per carry after contact in the backfield. Um, Four point five yards per carry after contact. Uh, he had the most missed tackles in the draft class. Geis doesn't have those things. The other thing to know about Geis is that Geis, if you watch him on tape, he's inconsistent play in and play out. And if you think about what the Seahawks want, they want a guy who keeps him on schedule. And that's something that Penny does really well. He's a guy who's going to make it so you don't have second or third and long. He's going to get you at least three or four yards when you give him the ball. Another, and he might break one. Another thing, too, is is that I think the team's going to have a lot of confidence to go after it in these, like, short and short situations now we did uh, sign a udfa fullback who's very good in, at getting one yard for michigan last year yes <laughs> um and we're i just think these are these crazy short yardage situations where the seahawks really failed a lot in recent years i think are not going to be as big of a problem just it'll just work better in that same so the seahawks go down to the third round our second round pick was dwayne brown and we all love that pick uh yes our third our third round old for a draft pick but but damn, he's good. He's like yeah. that guy who was twenty five. Anybody who says we week. didn't, anybody who says we didn't draft anyone for offensive line, just go, yeah, well, we drafted in the second round. Dwayne Brown, he's an All Pro offensive tackle. Have you heard of him? Then and then just dis- disown that person from your life. We also signed Mike Solari. That was a big signing in the offseason. So the Seahawks go down to the third round. They trade down one time, a couple picks because I, th- I think there was multiple guys that they liked left. They end up getting Rasheem Green, um, a guy who was a uh, a. Borderline second rounder, uh, third rounder. He's a 2-3 for most people. The biggest knock against Rasheem Green is that most people aren't sure if he'll play more on the edge or more in the center. He's kind of a tweener. He's not super heavy for a guy who wants to play defensive tackle, but he's not super fast for a guy who plays defensive end. does have a couple nice stats. Um, he's really good. He has a really good bull rush. He got 15th in amounts of snaps per bull rush pressure. Um, he had 30 run stops last year. Um, for USC, he did play more interior, right, Kevin? Uh, yeah, especially later on. He played more interiors um, and, last year in college. And uh, I would expect us to try to develop him into what we had out of Bennett. Uh, Bennett played a defensive end a lot, but played a lot of defensive tackle, too. Played over a third of his snaps at defensive tackle for the Seattle Seahawks. So um, I would expect us to use Green in the same way as his body develops and he gets a little bigger. Um, see him move from outside to inside and back and forth like that. Kevin, would you tend to agree with that? Yeah, if you look at the way he scouts out, he's basically a hyper-athletic three-tech which is a lot of what Bennett was. So you're talking about a guy who has the size, you know, 6'4", 275-ish. Um, he has a size to play on the inside. He has a lot of strength. But he had a 32.5-inch vertical jump, 118-inch broad jump. And remember we talked about that, those of you who are leading up to the draft, if you run about a 7.203 cone, that's what people look for when they're trying to scout a pass rusher because that means that you have kind of a little bit of twitch to you. You can uh, change directions. You can bend a little bit. Rasheem Green ran 7.24. So you're talking about a guy who ran a pretty similar three cone to like Bradley Chubb and who's carrying around a little bit more bulk than that. And the other thing is, you know, the dude had 10 sacks his senior year. He had 16 and a half for his career. So he's a guy who's had productivity as a pass rusher inside and out. And a lot of the really knocks on him, too, are like he's not tough enough. He's not nasty. He doesn't go to the end of the play. Like... Um, th- this defense will draw that out of him. I'm not worried about him playing really hard if he's going to be a starter on the Seahawks. If he ends up playing good enough in camp to be a starter, trust me, Cam's going to get him to, to not get out toughed in the front there. Like he, that, those our guys are literally psychopaths. Yeah, so we I'm got, not. We got enough nasty on that D line. Not sweating it, uh, Kevin. When you were going over this uh, this side of the draft, this side of the ball during the our draft shows, uh, you didn't you didn't have uh, this guy as as your as one of your picks for us to watch, why was that? I thought he was going to go in the second round. I just didn't think he was going to be available in a spot that we were going to pick. Yeah. A lot of people compared him to Carlos Dunlap and said, like, this guy's a, a tweener that I'll probably go in the late second. So, uh, if, yeah, we were. It, our expectation was that we'd have an early second and an early third. 
So he would have had to fall to get to us. Instead, we had a late first and a mid third, and he did fall really far. So we just, ex- I think Kevin and and me too expected him to just not be available. Yeah, yeah. When he was actually picked, I was thrilled that Nate and I were talking about it. And uh, Sam Hubbard went after the trade, and Nate was like, "How do you feel, man? You really liked Hubbard?" And I was like, "That's really, really tough. I guess we're not going the end." And then we picked up Rasheem Green, and I was like. Oh, man, I just got back from exercising. He's on the board still? Yeah, Rasheem, That's amazing. Rasheem Green was able to be drafted. Like, it was pretty funny. Yeah, that felt really good. Um, all right, so then the Seahawks. Uh, we we kind of had expectation, uh, you know, from our draft preview that we were going to probably go corner or wide receiver here. Those were our, our predictions. Uh, the Seahawks took us in a different direction here. They pick uh, Will Disley, the tight end out of Washington. Um, he Things I like about Will Disley. One, he's a good pass blocker. Two, he never dropped a pass. <laughs> That's that's nice. I like that. That is something I'm a big fan of. Um, no offense to t- Seahawks tight ends who have blocked me on Twitter, but uh, I don't want to see any any more uh, tight end drops. They drive me nuts. And um, yeah, he's a nice, soft-handed uh, tight end who really blocks super well. Um, do you guys have any anything to add uh, other than that? Uh, in our pre-draft talk, uh, Kevin circled this guy as a late fifth round, maybe early sixth round pick. Uh, obviously, the Seahawks found something that they really liked in him. This also goes back to our talk of what our offense could look like when we hired Schottenheimer as our offensive coordinator, the two tight end sets, because Vanette is the guy going into the season. It's his job to lose. That is a direct quote from Nick Vanette. But now we have, (laughs) (laughs) now we have the, that two tight end set that uh, works. We have blocking tight ends. We have a receiving tight end. Yeah. Uh, We have two tight ends that can do both. One excels at, the other we you know mismatch like one no. catches the ball better one blocks better don't forget about dixon too he's he's not like i do forget player. about dixon. uh the the, the thing medisley thing too is i think people underrated his catching ability because he just didn't have any opportunities in the washington offense to get catches um i think this team sees him as more of a pass catcher than most other teams do or maybe there was other teams that that felt that way too and that's why we felt like we had to jump on it there's some word that he was probably not going to last until those fifth round picks that's definitely what the team was worried about but i think the other thing to know is that will disley is a converted defensive end he converted after at the they put in a special package for him his sophomore year for the bowl game to play a little bit of tight end and then he converted for his junior and senior year so he only played college tight end for two seasons so that's why uh, two years ago, 2016, he only had four catches on five targets. Last year, he had 21 catches, and I think he had like 24 targets. So you're talking about, yeah, just small sample set on both of those. But the big thing is he has zero, he has zero college drops. And this is a solid short yardage guy. He's not going to be running that seam up the middle probably. He runs a 4.8740. He's going to be definitely more your short yardage guy. But he also runs really tough after the catch. Like... Yeah, he t- runs like a defensive end. I like I like him. I think it's a good pick. It, it's a slight reach, um, but maybe the Seahawks are sensing some kind of market inefficiency here where they think like, hey, you know, Pat, this whole we love passing only thing has gone too far. We need to – these guys would be, you know, X number of picks higher if it wasn't like this and we're getting extra value here. I think there's something to that. There's something to that this team sees that there's still a little value to be had in these um, – these guys who are versatile and, and can play the run a little bit. I think there's another thing, too, and it's something that people sometimes get stuck in. And that is, in the NFL draft, people get really hung up on pick value. But once you've made the pick, you're now looking at a player. And a player operates inside of a scheme. So you're looking at who do we have, how do they fit in. And we've talked about this on the draft before, or on the podcast before. In a, in a draft... If you walk out with four strong contributors to your team, you had a successful draft. If you walk out with five, you had an amazing draft. And this this draft has, I think, I think guaranteed two. Like I think Rashad Penny and Michael Dixon are going to have instant impact on the Seahawks. Rasheem Green's a pretty safe bet, and yeah. then you just need one more of the guys to pan out. And if two more of them do, then you're really sitting pretty. Yeah. So and I like the Disley pick too. I don't think it's a massive reach. People can say like some picks are reaches, like maybe we reach for Penny. I don't think that's fair. I think the only time that you can grade a reach as a negative is like when the Buccaneers trade up to get 
Roberto Aguayo. Like that's a <laughs> massive reach, and that's that's something this front office does not do. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a couple picks. <laughs> uh, all right. So then we've got um, the the talk of the draft, the talk of the town. The Seahawks reunite the twins. Shaquille Griffin's twin brother Sha- Shaquem Griffin is coming to the Seahawks. Uh, we got S L Griffin and S M Griffin now. Uh, I I want them to have a shirt that just says Griffin and then has both numbers, uh, one on each side. <laughs> one, uh, one jersey that they share. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk about Griffin. We drafted Simon. Griffin, right. <laughs> Griffin had one hell of a Pro Bowl, or Senior Bowl, sorry. Yep. He was excellent in the Senior Bowl. He had perhaps the best combine of any single player. And this um, is on the heels fastest, of a sick bowl game, too. Fa- fastest fastest um, linebacker at 40 time of all time. He has pretty great stats, second in among all linebackers in pass rush productivity, sixth sixth best at getting pressure on the outside among linebackers, 16th best about getting pressure from the inside. So he just gets he creates pressure like crazy. He played on the defensive line. He played linebacker. He even sometimes would drop back farther and play like a like a low safety kind of a cam style. Um, UCF used his unique athletic talents all kinds of different ways. He fell to the fifth round because he has one hand. There's no there's no other reason. Um, that he has, he text checks every box for someone who could be a second or a third round pick, except for he is missing a hand. Um, it, do you need two hands to play linebacker in the NFL? I'm not sure, but this is the best chance we're going to get to find out, right? Because this guy isn't supremely athletically talented. He is so, so good. So Eric, when you, when we dra- when we dra- put that pick in, when we got Griffin, when we reunited the brothers, what was going through your mind? First of all, the same thing that's going through everyone's mind. What a great story. This is really cool. Um, these guys I, have good hair. Yeah, these guys have great. They hair. do have. Good yeah, hair. they do. Uh, little little <laughs> inside thing. Strong. Uh, last a uh, couple weeks ago, when I went to that uh, that that uh, the benefit, event? The, yeah, the charity event. Uh, we didn't really talk about it on the show. I got to talk with Shaquille Griffin, and so I was like, "Hey, man. So I know uh, I know that you're obviously you know super stoked that there's a possibility we could draft your brother." And he's like, "Yeah, man, that would be a dream come true." And I said, so you guys are, you know, roughly the same size, and you're a corner. He's a linebacker. He used to be a safety. How's that shake out? And he's like, it's just something that, that you know, we we both gravitated towards, and uh, he always wanted to play a linebacker. And this is a guy that, if he's our rotational player, our rotational linebacker, that offers us a pass rush on third down. It offers us a pass rush on any down, really. And it's also someone we can put back in coverage. And I'm not worried about with one hand he's not going to be getting the picks. I'm looking at someone who can knock the ball away. I'm looking at someone that will be there to make the tackle. Um, You know, we ask why do we have linebackers covering deep with fixing our cornerback situation, uh, you know, with not having the injuries, our linebackers. We have good coverage linebackers, I feel now. Uh, This pick is... It, it it hits on every level, the emotional level, the good quality pick by this team, and uh, yeah, I really couldn't be more stoked I, about it. I, I feel like he fell to us. I kind of want to give people a point of comparison, just because I feel like um, you don't I, I, they don't understand when I say like this guy checks every box to be like a first or second round pick, except for the hand thing. So let me tell you about senior stats. Tremaine Edmonds plays for Virginia Tech. He had 64 run stops. In 13 hurries, six sacks, and three QB hits last year. So he had, you know, uh, 22 total pressures, 64 run stops. He was drafted in the first round. He's also real freaking good. I'm not trying. This is not a bash on Tremaine Edmonds. Okay, let me just throw that out there. Um, Shaquem Griffin, he had seven sacks, eight QB hits, 39 hurries. That is a grand total of 50. Oh man, I had to do math in my head. 54 pressures, and he had 38 run stops last year. Okay, he's he's every bit as good and disruptive as a player like that got drafted in the first round. He this is a, a this is a hell of a steal to be honest if it works out. Um, I'm thinking Bruce Irvin is a good NFL comparison, a guy who can play with this. He can play on the line on third down, but also play back on the first two downs. He gets a whole year to learn because we got Mingo, KJ, and Wagner. He doesn't need to play right away, so I'm really excited about it, Kevin. How do you think he fits into this team just like on the whole? Like is he going to is he going to start playing on the field immediately? Do you think it might take a while? What do you think? Well, I think there's a few things to remember. Uh the first is that at Central Florida, he played all three linebacker spots. He didn't play defensive end. When they talk about him being a rush end, he wasn't playing D end. He was playing more like a rush outside linebacker like a, in a 3-3-5. Like how we use the Leo sometimes in our formations where That's he stands exactly up. That's exactly it. 
Yeah. And so he played weak side, he played middle, he played strong side, he played all three linebacker spots, and he'd flow through them in the same game. You go back and watch that Auburn footage, he plays every linebacker spot throughout the course of that game. You watch him drop into coverage, this guy is a plus coverage linebacker. He has good instincts. You could put him on a receiver. Remember, he runs a 4-3-8-40. That's good enough to cover a slot receiver. That's good enough to cover the fastest tight end in the league, no problem. At six foot, about 220, he's smaller for a linebacker, but that's the same size as like Deion Jones. So you're looking at a guy who, yeah, he's not huge, but he plays big. He's a hitter. He's a battery. All tons of energy. Um, I see him fitting in initially as like a weak side linebacker, um, backing up KJ Wright, and then they're going to design some packages for him. I think... Don't be surprised to see a few packages where maybe uh, um, Dion Jordan or uh, Barkavis Mingo is playing D-end, and they rotate Griffin over to outside linebacker on that side and rush them both from the same side because that's a lot of speed coming off of one end, and that's going to be hard for someone to deal with. The other thing, again, the versatility is really nice because... We basically lost all our backup linebackers, and he can back up all three spots. Yeah, so the Seahawks followed up the Griffin pick. For, they would go four picks later. They went with uh, slot cornerback slash safety, Trey Flowers. Um, it's a big knock on Trey Flowers. He's he's fast. He's uh, He has a really great vertical jump, 4 4 five, 40, um, jump 35 inches. Uh, he The problem with him is, oh, he has a really good frame too, six foot three, 33 and 7 eighth inch arms. He doesn't have great cover skills. It's the big is the big knock on. They him. talk about his man cover skills are not ideal. Yeah, he lacks he lacks true cover skills. Um, and they say he's a little stiff. Things I like about him though, I went and watched some videos. He fits in with the Seahawks perfectly. He swarms to the ball. He go he gets he's like one of those swarmer players like that we always have where the guys just they they he swarms to the ball. He's in every play. Um, I love that about Trey Flowers. Um, do I think he'll be starting this year? Probably not. He'll definitely have an impact on special teams, though, and uh, I really like to see how he develops in the future. Do you uh, do you guys have anything to add for Trey? Kevin, you you mentioned that you think maybe we solved our opposite corner of Shaquille Griffin. Yeah, I think this team sees him as an outside corner prospect, and I think it makes a lot of sense based on his size and frame. He has the requisite speed. If you look at his overall athleticism, he has a package that projects the way that we like our outside corners to go. He's going to get a strong shot there. And if you look at like a Deshaun Shedd, you can see some solid comparisons. Um, he so has like four a, career interceptions. He has a ton of passes defense, how, though. How long did it take us to get Deshaun Shedd actually into playing cornerback? Exactly. That, it so took a year and a half, two years. Exactly. Right. So, the, so, so we're like, the, Trey Flowers is not someone we should expect this year. It's a project, right? I think it makes a lot of sense in conjunction with the Maxwell resigning. Okay, so yeah, so Maxwell's the stopgap, and they're going to hope to develop Flowers over the next couple of years. Yeah. And if he doesn't pan out, he can't compete, then we'll figure it out and later. And we spend a fifth-round pick. It's yeah. worth the gamble. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of people are saying that we're going to convert him to safety. I don't really, I don't, I never read that Pete Carroll said that. Um, safety is also, even though Earl Thomas is, you know, possibly on his way out, we're, we're a little crowded at that position. Well, he's a free safety from college, so he can definitely put snaps in if we need bodies there. Yeah. But I agree. It's a big question if we'd even need a body there. All right. So then the uh, 149, the Seahawks trade up with Denver, giving up the second pick in the seventh round, uh, a pick that has very little value. This is a pretty even value trade on the value table. Uh, the They pick up punter Michael Dixon from the University of Texas. Uh, the bowl game MVP, Michael Dixon. Um, I'm just going to say this. Is a fifth round pick, is a punter worth a fifth round pick? Eh, I'm not. I'm not sure. That that's right on the line for me, right? Of where I'd start drafting punters. They picked him. They picked a punter about as early as I could possibly even think to accept. But if you're gonna do that, this is the guy right here. Um, he was fantastic at punting the football. Uh, he downed like a million punts inside tight. Uh, last year, he had the, one of the highest averages I got all the stats here. If you want Go me to ahead, spin them. hit it. 47.4 yards per punt, which was second in FBS in 2017. Um, in the 2017 Texas Bowl, where he was Bowl MVP, he had seven punts <laughs> it's inside. unbelievable. Yeah. He had seven punts inside the 10-yard line and hung four of them inside the five, which if your offense is punting that much, your punter deserves the MVP. <laughs> 
But I. He also he has no kickoff experience. He doesn't have anything there. But he had 84 punts in all. 33 of them were fair caught. 42 of them were inside the 20 yard line. This guy hangs it really well. He's an Aussie style punter. Um, they talk about he puts good English on the ball. Um, he's one of those people he can he has different types of punt. So he can like set it up for an end over end, or he can kick it for distance, or he knows how to put spin on the ball when he uh, drops it to punt it in. So he he is a versatile punter. Punter. He has a lot of tools. I'll go back to the end of season podcast where Nathan Santo made a very good point about how a lot of teams are undervaluing the kicking game and how you know if we want to save money and it may be sad, but you know moving on from John Ryan. And drafting a punter. This is like exactly what I suggested. It's really, I got it's, what I wanted. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, the fifth round pick, I like to say, ooh, maybe we get that cornerback. Ooh, maybe there's another running back or uh, some sort of pass rusher. Fifth round picks don't always turn out to be roster spots. And to get a punter, I don't know. If, if it's this guy, if it's this guy is as good as we think it is, I love this pick. And if you don't like our messy divorce from Steve Hauschka, then this is the alternative. If you don't want that, you're asking for this. So in a lot of ways, this is the team learning from that. It also plays into kind of the philosophy of the draft. What did we draft for? Playing defense, rushing the passer again, blocking tight end, running back, and a punter playing field position, playing yeah. ball control. All right. So um, the next pick in the fifth round, we had 169? 168. 168. Dang it. I was off by one. Uh, I tried to do it off the top of my head, and I should not have done that. So uh, I like it. I think it's we fun. uh we took Jamarco Jones, tackle the number three pro football focus rated tackle out of Ohio State. He had a very high pro football focus rating. He lost a lot of money because his combine was not what he would have liked it to be. The story of the combine, if Orlando Brown wasn't the story <laughs> of the combine, yeah, it was it was not a good combine. Here's the thing: he flashed dominant potential in his time in the in, at Ohio State. He played against top-level competition. In practice. Um, he played 873 snaps last year. No, I mean at Ohio State. He was playing against top-level competition yeah. in practice. Oh, yes. Games. Oh, I, oh, I get what you mean now. <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was like, he was good in the games, dude. He only allowed two sacks. No, I agree with that, too. <laughs> okay. Uh, he only allowed two sacks last year, three penalties. Um, he played a lot of really good football. Um, three penalties not a Seahawks guy <laughs> let's be honest Jamarco Jones is a little bit of a project because of the athleticism concerns so for me I think that as a fifth round pick drafting a guy who has played at a high level has has a really good potential and can be trained up is a great move and you know what Tom Cable isn't our talent development along the offensive line anymore so it's probably going to be fine um, I'm into the Jamarco Jones pick I think it's great Okay. I've, yeah, and you're right, Kevin. If Orlando Brown wouldn't have done the combine, this would have been the story of the combine because his combine is nearly as bad. It's really bad. Well, going um, back to a couple weeks ago, uh, our own Kevin Garber said if we could get someone in the late fifth or an early sixth, someone like a Jamarco Jones on the offensive line, that would be a really great, great pick. Yeah. The hope was that someone like that's Jamar exactly what Seahawks did. Jamarco Jones, Tyrell Crosby, um, Orlando Brown, one of these like unathletic project guys would fall far enough for us to get him late and they did yeah we, we could have got crosby too i i think they they just once they got jones they were like we're good and can i can i kind of clarify something you say a project guy it's not like a tom cable project guy no we're not yeah, converting we're not converting, we're, we're not converting this is this is someone who may not be able to step in week one project guy like someone towards the end of the season might be ready to step in. Well, the questions on him are, because he's a guy who actually shows really strong technique on film. If you watch him, yeah. he has a good kick slide. He knows how to create space. He knows how to use his hands. He's not a Colton Miller where he's catching everybody. He's actually like putting his hands out there and getting them on the defensive player. His issues are... He uses um, his hands really good, too. Yeah. Like, his hand usage is awesome. Yeah, exactly. Like, his placement and everything yeah. gets up on their chest and really... He's super long arms, too. Yeah, 35-inch arms. He's 6'6", 3'10". He's, he looks like an offensive tackle. But the thing is, when you watch him, you can see it. And when you listen to scouts, his body control and balance isn't ideal. And this is why he did not do good in any of the, <laughs> any of the combine drills. Yeah, and the other thing is you wonder about his quickness. 8393 cone is really slow. Well, he was 823 in his uh 
you know, uh, his pro day. That's, Yikes. That still sucks. Yeah. It's for the record. 5-5-40. So the question becomes, at 6-6-3-10, six, six, is he a hulking interior guy to Solari? Is he, so he needs to put on, like, some good weight? Or is he a guy who they see maybe as a right tackle who can be functional? He's another guy. I kind of like the fact that he puts a floor on things. Yeah, put him in the mix. Because he knows what to do. Right. It'd be kind of like when we had Britt at right tackle, where you're sitting there going, okay, this guy gets eaten up by speed rushers, but he at least is standing where he's supposed to stand, and Russell Wilson can work, like, with, that. work with it. And he's not going to murder you with 700 penalties. Yeah, he's not three yards past the line of scrimmage, Jermaine Effetti. Yes. Uh, so wait, let me just ask you this hypothetically, Kevin Garber. If... Uh, if he would have had a a stellar combine, that's asking a lot because it's kind of changing his athleticism. If he had a mediocre combine, if he, let's just say a, let's not a five Middling. out of five, but a four, a four out of five in the combine, where would he? What round would he have gone? If he'd in? had a three out of five in the combine, he would have probably been a late round three, early round four pick. I agree. Third um, round if pick. you look at like a, was it Jerron Christian? I think is his name out of Louisville. If because his tape is good. It really is. Yeah, Aside tape, from the balance issues, he looks like a solid left tackle. He looks like he can play. Um, all right, so now we're going to go to the Seahawks picked another linebacker, um, one that I know very little about. That's Temple's Jacob Martin. Didn't even take the time to watch YouTube videos on this one. Uh, went full lazy on this one and said, you know what? I'll let Kevin cover it. So go, Kevin. All right, so uh, Jake Martin is kind of a defensive end linebacker type body. Um, if you think about... Uh, like Bruce Irvin's size, so he's like, so he's basically like Shaq Griffin, but 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 like not a didn't blow away the combine. Uh, and he's bigger. Like he's uh, Shaq Griffin is more like a safety that plays linebacker. This is more like a linebacker that played defensive end. So um, you are talking about a bigger overall set, six uh, three, about two thirty five, two forty. Um, his athleticism was really strong. He's a six nine three cone. Uh, had 23 reps in the bench, 34 and a half vertical jump, 121 broad, 45940. Um, he tested out a lot of he, he tested out like a pretty decent running back when you look at his athleticism scores, which is a pretty good sign for a guy that is gonna be about the same size as like Marcus Smith. So he might be able to make the rotation at defensive end. He might just be seen as a backup uh, Sam linebacker. And at this point, I would imagine the team's probably seeing him as, oh, this is a pass rush linebacker we can put behind Mingo because they plan on putting Shaquem Griffin as a will linebacker. All right. Um, I have nothing to add because I didn't do any research. We needed linebacker depth. He's depth. Ready for my favorite um, My favorite stat? Com- oh, there's one more. We have one more guy. I don't really feel like even talking about it very much, but we draft- We drafted Alex Mc- Alex, Alex McGo out of Florida International University. He is a quarterback who will be on the Seahawks practice squad next year. Okay. So, <laughs> is Maybe, there any argument about that? I don't know if, if it's Stephen Morris. Might beat him out. It's it's more we have now four quarterbacks. It's fifty fifty. I actually would rather spend time talking about UDFAs. Yes. Okay, we can get to that in a second. I'm going to tell you my favorite thing. There's a website. It's called mockdraftable.com. It's really cool. It um, is interesting. If you go on there, what you can do is you can put a player in, and then it will tell you uh, all the different most in common combines that they have on record for each player. Okay. So I'm just going to give you a couple of the players we drafted, and just tell you their number one comparisons. Okay. Shaquille Griffin. The number one comparable player is... Shaquem Griffin or Shaquille Griffin? Sha- Sha- Shaquille. Oh, this is Shaquille Griffin. I should have done Shaquem Griffin. Oh, Shaquille Griffin was Marshawn Lattimore. Okay, I typed this wrong. Shaquem... Get ready for a whole year of this. Shaquem... With two Shaq Griffins, it's only going to get <laughs> yeah, worse. Yeah, I just typed Shaq. Okay, the number one uh, athletic com- com- comparison for Shaquem Griffin, Darius Geis. Okay, so, so he compares to a round two running back, right? And his number five is Sony Michelle too. So I just think that's really, <laughs> I think that's really cool. He he like compares. Are out there to any some defensive of, players on the list? Uh, Steven Roberts, uh, safety from Auburn from this year. Okay, who I don't know anything about. If you just put it down to only linebackers, um, you get Malik Jefferson, uh, which he does not have very much in common with. Sixty-five hmm. percent. Yeah, that's not very. Uh, so it's not very in common. Uh, the other Seahawks players that we drafted. Sorry, um, I'm going to do Rasheem Green now. So, Rasheem Green, the defensive end from USC. Number one comparable defensive end. Kevin, you got a guess? It's from uh, t- 2005, Maryland. 2005, Maryland? 
I don't have this one. It's a great defensive end. And I'll give you a clue. He's lights out. Sean Merriman. Oh, no. That is an awesome comparison. The juice. Um, Sean I, Merriman. I love Sean Merriman. I was like a huge fan back in the day. Uh, other top comparables that you might have heard of, Ebenezer Ekubon. Uh If you just go by athletes, take out defensive ends. Uh, Kimiko Ture from this year's draft, another big comparable. Um, this website's really fun. Uh, what I'm Kimiko saying Ture, is, Kimiko by the way, is 25 pounds lighter. Just to give you an idea, uh, of how athletic. If you go to this, is. if you go to this website, it's a lot of fun to just look up players that did the combine. That's a great time and, waste. Uh, and just like be like, who's their most comparable guy? Like if you, you put Rashad Penny in here, you know the top, some of the top guys. <laughs> What uh, crap is that? Robert Robert Woods, Minka Fitzpatrick is number two, the, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Just a very hyper athletic defensive back, uh, you know. So yeah, Terrence West, Lamar Miller, those are some other guys that showed up at the top of his list. Buck Allen, ninety two point eight percent. Javoris Buck Allen. I like the Lamar Miller comparison actually. Now when I think about that, it makes sense. It does. Um, all right, so that, that's just a fun time waster. You can do it with the rest of our draft guys. I'm not going to torture you anymore. Just wanted a recommendation out there for the twelves. To have some fun. Uh, Kevin, UDFAs, there was like 12, 14? There were 13. It's hard because um, they don't confirm them that much. So I'll give you the names that I have just for some of the interesting groups. So there's Khalid Hill, which is the guy that you're thinking of. Uh, the fullback out of Michigan. He's a fullback slash tight end. He will get you one yard. That's a fact. Um, there's some things I think are interesting when you start pulling the parallel to the rest of the draft, though. So we didn't pick up a wide receiver, which we talked about pretty heavily about trying to get an outside receiver. This list has 19 guys on here. Dang. Yep. It feels like that's a really big endorsement for Amar Darbo. The team clearly thinks Amar Darbo is ready to step up yeah, into a big The wide role. receivers that they got in this are all like guys who run really fast. Yeah, this is projectables. <laughs> they got Taj Williams out of TCU, Caleb Scott out of Vanderbilt, and John Franklin III out of uh, Florida Atlantic. So Taj Williams and Caleb Scott are both six two that ran sub four five forty. And John Franklin ran a four uh, like a laser he ran time a four, four, two, four, four, four 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 two one or yes. whatever. <laughs> and he's an ex quarterback at Auburn, which is where you might know the guy from. Uh, John Franklin, too. My favorite thing is most places won't list him with a position just because like there there's no position for this guy right now. He's just a fantastic athlete. Yep. Um, which is a great guy to sneak onto a practice squad and see if there's something there. The other guys I like, uh, Skylar Phillips. Out of Idaho State, this is an all-Big Sky third-team All-American at offensive guard. He played all five spots on the line at Idaho State, but he's likely to be a guard in the NFL. This is a guy who, again, didn't show up that athletic, which is an interesting departure from the Tom Cable school, but this is a guy who knows how to block. So he could be an interesting guy if he ends up making the roster. So maybe a guy who didn't show up well against higher competition. Like you need a little more athleticism. Except he showed up really well against higher competition in the hmm. um, East-West Shrine game. And I believe the Senior Bowl. And so on defense, we got a guy that I would have been really comfortable drafting in like the fifth round. So Marcel Frazier out of Missouri, 6'5", 265. He has 31 career tackles for loss, 17 and a half career sacks in the SEC. He had eight and a half as a junior, seven as a senior. He's a big-time defensive end out of Missouri. I really like Marcel Frazier. If this guy doesn't end up sticking on the roster, I'm going to be kind of surprised. Why did he fall to UFD, UDFA? Um, the production is not, like, insane. Uh, seven sacks last year. And there was a bit uh, of a scheme 32, switch the last couple of years. Tackles. I think that might have negatively impacted him, too. Um, mm-hmm. he, he, was a, he was a player who could have put together, like, all-American seasons. He just never quite... Put it all together. Um, I wouldn't be like Kevin said. I wouldn't be surprised if he easily makes the roster and ends up being a productive NFL player. Yep. And um, then Eddie Wilson at D tackle and Puna Ford at defense at defensive tackle. Those are two guys that are kind of run stuffers. I could see either of them sticking, especially if it dislodges like uh, what's the guy's name? Tom Johnson that we signed. Uh, I think you it's mean uh, Thunder name. Thunder <laughs> Thunder Benedict Cum, Thunder Cunt. I don't remember what what's the name that people That's exactly call him. What it is? They, there's some kind of Thunder thing that the vikings fans went with i have you have no not heard about talking this about and this is so that there's are a, you there's, having a stroke no so there's like um there's like a thing where some minnesota talk radio guys decided that the name tom johnson was too boring and so that they really boring name. so they had to change his name so people would care about him so they gave him like a nickname it's like benedict thunder cunt or it's not that's not what it is though obviously well, it doesn't if have it's on if it's on radio it's not <laughs> thunder um, punch johnson Thunder. Let's clean it up for the kids. Oh, here we go. It's it's um, Thun Sebastian Thunderbucket. 
<laughs> okay. Thanks, Minnesota. There. See, I told you it was something. This is neither better was, nor worse. Was, yeah, I was going to say, was it really worse than the name I kept saying? Okay. So, uh, I think the big thing to pull out of this is clear vote for the wide receivers that are already on roster. They seem to have some good feelings about those guys. And then if you look at the UDFAs we signed, we put a whole bunch of bodies at defensive line. We put a couple more at offensive line. If you look, it's really reinforcing the same thing. We're clearly trying to get deep in the front seven so we can rotate through pass rushers, and we're trying to get deep in our run game on offense and become more physical. Another thing is is the UDFAs we signed. I felt like the last couple of years we've had trouble drawing in quality undrafted free agents. This year I actually feel like we did a good, we got good guys, and I think it's that always compete mentality coming back. These guys are going to be given the opportunity to actually make the roster. Whereas in the last couple of years, I don't think undrafted free agents really felt that way about the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. So it's a good, it's a good, um, it's a good return to form. Return to form, exactly. Um, I think that's uh, that's enough draft coverage for one day. You guys feel good about it? Yeah, I, I think love we it. hit Union. All right, so we'll be hitting this up again next week, and also uh, we will be starting soon our divisional previews of every division in the NFL. But if you like to support the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest and join the people who have decided that it is worth giving us money every month. 16 patrons, $50 a month. Um, they, um, I got to give specific shout-outs, so just give me one sec. Uh, in the meantime, we also like to give a shout out to our neighborhood friendly pizza man. Thank you very much, uh, our fellow redditor, and uh, shout outs to our new listener off Reddit too. All right, Lucas, Forrest, Carrie, Mirza, Keith, Arthur, Frank, Tom, Michelle, Bryant, Brett, Augustine, Russell, Brian, Zachary. You're in the room, Kevin. I don't count you. Uh, Fine, Kimberly and Kimberly and Josh. Okay, so. Thank you guys all. Oh, I shouldn't say Brian anymore. Uh, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, there's a thing right here. So the everything is looking good for that. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Facebook.com slash The Seahawks Nest, Twitter.com slash Seahawks Nest. Uh, you can head up, hit us up on Reddit, Reddit.com slash U slash Seahawks Nest if you want to give one of us a direct message. Um, or you and, can just catch us on the thread on our individual accounts. Uh, yeah, we know who we are. You yeah, might know who we are, too. Yeah. Just find us. I'm not hiding. Nope. Uh, <laughs> then uh, if, if you uh, want to support the podcast and you don't have any money, you're poor like me because you just had a kid, you should head over to your favorite podcast app or anything like that and just head over and give us five stars. Give us the most stars. Give us the if most. It's out of ten stars, and you give us five give stars. Give us the most stars. That's it's kind of mean. It's kind of like It's kind of like customer. <laughs> it's kind of like customer service reviews. Even if you think this podcast is a four out of five, you got to give us a five out of five, or it doesn't help us. Okay. So when <laughs> when you get that call back from AT and T, you'd be like, yeah, it was four out of five service. Give them a five because they get mad when they don't get fives. So you just gotta you gotta play the game. You gotta hey, play the game. Hey Patreons, are you still listening? I hope you are because I'm going to let you know right now. Um, I have a big project right now that I'm finishing up, but after that, I'll be dropping our previews Whoa. for our draftable pl- for our drafted players. You'll be seeing an I- a deep dive on each player, including some game footage and some breakdowns. We have 25 star ratings on on iTunes now. Man, 20 guys, people, guys 20 people work. took the time to do that. We're up from that interface tw- sucks. Thanks, yeah, you guys. thanks. That's that's like a chore. <laughs> that's like I gave you a chore. Uh, big up, did it during movie big ups to iVanquish51 and Augustine who always give us um, uh, likes on SoundCloud. That that helps. Yeah, and JR uh, Batman for uh, all the good conversations on the Twitter machine. And uh, and Mick Shanny, I uh, I respect you, even though I don't agree with hardly anything you say to me on Twitter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shots fired. Okay, so um, uh, that's, that's that. That's the money zone. Um, so we're going to head over to the uh, Seahawks Nest Movie Club. And I want to talk about a movie. That has to do with something we've been talking about all day. And I don't even know if you guys have seen it. Didn't ask you beforehand. There's a good chance you haven't seen it. Draft, draft Day with, with Dennis Leary? We are doing Draft Day with, with Kevin <laughs> Costner. Okay, directed by Ivan Reitman. Made $29.5 million. It is a American sports drama film where the Cleveland Browns general manager, played by Costner, must decide how to fix the team, basically. Also, he has a bunch of other stuff going on. His girlfriend, Jennifer Garner, is um, pregnant, right? It would... Lo- uh, his yeah, dad died correct. or something. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff going on. It would on launch movie. a uh, seven years worth of real-life sequels. The Seahawks have a first overall pick, which is super unrealistic. I'd also like to point out that this was 2014, so clearly his draft pick didn't work because they've won one game since. 
Yeah, I guess so. The anyway, life so first of all, sucks as a GM. Get let, me start, out. let me start with this. Kevin Costner died for this. <laughs> <laughs> what for for draft day? Have you have you guys seen it? I watched it in the background once. I've okay. not seen this. Okay. I remember the commercials vividly. I've, I've watched it more than one time, but I would say I've actually only seen every scene wow. once. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's been on. <laughs> uh, so you've watched it the way I have, and in totality, <laughs> you have seen the movie. I remember there in the previews, there was a little bit of kissing Seattle's ass because it was right after we won the Super Bowl. It's so weird the ending of this movie. Have you guys? Um, because he does, he, he follows his own advice, even though it costs him greatly, right? No, he it like Costner's he, he like fired. he does a thing where he like demands. Yeah, he he does what he he wants to do. He picks uh, running back or whatever at the end, and then he gets um, fired, right? <laughs> like right after. No, that. no, he gets. He's like he has such a great draft performance. Everyone loves it. He gets like A pluses from Mel Kiper Jr. Uh, <laughs> But but uh, only in the best part is like he trades back into the sixth spot and then like demands the Seahawks give him all the picks back from a crappy trade he made earlier. <laughs> it's like it's this would never work. So basically, it's, it's <laughs> sort of like the story of the making of the Mario Brothers movie, where people who have no idea how football works made a movie about football based oh, on no. a conversation they had with their uh, like twelve year old cousin about how the football draft works. Who's um, playing Madden General? Manager. I will say this. It is the most guilty pleasure. It's not a good movie. Um, it is a very average movie, but it is very entertaining. Um, I I find it to be a fun movie to watch. It's so stupid. I don't think this is really high praise if you say yes to this, but is it maybe the one of the best football movies ever made? Because, you okay. know, baseball has a ton of great baseball movies, but football... We yeah. got... Yeah. So see, there's Remember let's... the Titans... Yes. There's... Great Iron Gang. <laughs> <laughs> Our Our I find there's Necessary Roughness North Dallas. with Scott necessary Bakula. North, <laughs> North Dallas 40. Uh, Varsity Blues is a good movie. Varsity Blues, Brian I Song. I don't want your laugh. Uh, Rudy sucks. Rudy Sorry. sucks. Uh, hot take. Song. Hot take. Rudy's not Rudy's not that good. Waterboy's not that good either. It's funny, but it's not it's that fine. good. Longest Yard, both of them. Replacements is underrated. I'm going to say it right I, now. That's what I've heard. Besides, they, ca- they were bold enough to cast... Jay Cutler as the kicker in that. Any movie. given Sunday has that one really good speech, and then the rest of the movie's trash. <laughs> I, I I disagree, but not strongly enough to take away from that amazing take. Um, so yeah, um, here's what I'm gonna say: uh, the 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 plot of the film's draft day, it's flimsy. It's um, <laughs> to say the least. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's it's a real it's sentimental <laughs> trash in a way. If you've ever seen For the Love of the Game. I was gonna say, Kevin Costner in sentimental trash, unheard of. It sounds uh, exactly like for love of the game, a, a not terrible baseball movie starring except Kevin Costner. the Browns are more like the uh, background in the Postman. When you're watching the movie, it's exactly what you expect to happen. Um, Black Panther plays a linebacker. If you're into that kind of thing, was it is Vonte something? Vonte Mack, dude, Chadwick Boseman, Ohio State. Uh, Terry Crews is in it too. <laughs> Uh, Off, does he play office linebacker? I think like Josh Pence is like the the quarterback that no one wants to draft. Bo like the, Callahan. There's this quarterback that it's it, the whole movie revolves around this quarterback that like That's everyone wants, man. everyone wants, and then they trade up to first, and the rumors they're going to get him, and then they decide not to get him, and it's just the movie's a mess. I'm just it's a mess, but I love it. <laughs> just watch it. Uh, Arian, there's a whole bunch of football players and and stuff playing themselves, but Arian Foster's in the movie playing not a football player, not himself. He's playing a guy. What? Playing a guy named Ray Jennings. He plays Jennings. Uncle Drew. No, he plays Ray Jennings, the running back that they pick. It's just awesome. Uh, I highly recommend Draft Day. I like it, the fact that Arian Foster would have been like thirty when the movie came out too. Thirty. Yeah, he's older than that. He's a hundred. No. Uh, His knees are a hundred. So here, here's my thing. If you have something to do in the next couple of days, like maybe you're uh, doing the dishes and you want to put a movie on your phone and watch it while you do the dishes. <laughs> And you have, I a, highly you have two hours worth of dishes. I highly, recommend, I highly recommend Draft Day. This movie club is the draft day of movie clubs. <laughs> Nathan hijacked himself. Sentimental garbage that no one wants to hear. Yes. I have I have enjoyed this greatly. It's You know what? It makes me 
not want to do anything about seeing this movie. Oh, Dennis Leary is the coach of the Browns in this, which is probably better than if they had Hugh Jackson as their coach. Yes, this is this is the change Cleveland should make in real uh, life. Um, <laughs> I got nothing else. You guys, uh, you guys, anything else? We can just wrap it up. <laughs> I no, I do not have any more takes on draft day. I said everything I needed to say about the commercial. I remember. By the way, it does give you a chance to um, to Tell see to see Chris Berman one more time. He's not dead. I'm not sad. What do we do? He's kind of dead. He's just not on he's TV. Dead to me. He's not on he's, your TV anymore. He's not on the TV every single week. He still has. Yeah, he still has a every two um, weeks. My favorite review on Rotten Tomatoes for this, as movies go, draft day is the equivalent of an eight and eight football team. Well, maybe a seven and nine. <laughs> that's that's awesome. All right, for Kevin Garver, for Eric Ronovec, I'm Nathan Santo. We will see you next week. Go Hawks. Yay!